Welcome to the Rat Race Revolution Podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Paul Teodo, and we created this podcast with the intention of letting you know that you can go after your dreams. So if you're stuck in some sort of a mundane life that is not consistent with your heart and your soul, we are bringing guests that will show you and tell you that you can go after your dreams. And I'm Brent Collier, another co-host, also joined by Michael Henry behind the scenes in the background, helping us produce this amazing podcast where we share our own personal experience of the hero's journey, the struggles that we've faced, and the challenges that we've overcome to live a life full of passion and purpose. We want to encourage you to do the same, to travel, to see the world, to live your best life, and hopefully by providing you with some amazing guests and interviews, we can encourage you to do the same. So thank you so much for listening. Yeah, and we're also gonna, of course, have some wellness tips on yoga and meditation and dealing with anxiety, dealing with lower back pain. So there'll be lots of fun tips for all you wellness professionals out there. Have a beautiful day. Thank you so much. All right, everybody, welcome to the Rat Race Rebellion podcast. I'm your host, Paul Teodo, and I'm very, very excited to introduce my friend and my boss. Adam Carney is- your boss. You are my boss. You're 10 years younger than me and you're my boss. (laughs) So Adam Carney is the founder of East West Yoga, which uh, is one of the largest yoga teacher training companies in the world. He started the company from uh, Bali, Indonesia. They lead yoga teacher trainings online and all over the world. He's got an amazing story. Um, We're also both from the hometown of Chicago, Illinois. We grew up about 10 minutes away from each other. And uh, welcome, Adam. I, I think that that's probably the first thing that we should talk about is just how rem- how remarkably and strangely similar that we are, because we both grew up, we grew up 20 minutes from one another. We both moved to L.A. At, in our yep. 20s. You, you, you moved in your 20s, right? I did. We we then both. So we both lived there for for a number of years and then both moved to Bali and now we both work in yoga teacher trainings and we both, we kind of look similar too. I get that feedback. Well, the difference is, well, I work for you and you don't work for anyone. <laughs> I, I just love all, giving you compliments. <laughs> <laughs> you do. Yeah, you yeah. do. I'm, I don't, I don't know. Nobody, nobody calls me their, their boss. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't receive that well. I don't like being <laughs> <his> boss. <laughs> I, I know. I, I used to dream, I used to dream of, of that people calling me boss. And then once you have people call you that immediately, when people started calling me that, I was like, I don't like this. Yeah. Yeah. I get yeah. it. Yeah. But. So, okay, let's start from the beginning. So you were born just outside of Chicago, Illinois in Naperville, correct? Naperville? Yeah, yeah. Naperville is one of those uh, Forbes best places to live every year, yeah. Yeah, no, Naperville and I was, I grew up 10 minutes away from you in Wheaton, Glen Ellen area, which is, uh, yeah, just a really perfect, ideal, amazing childhood at least that's that's what i was given by by growing up in that area my i had great friends uh went to a really good schools people were 
um, comfortable but not super wealthy. So there's a, people were pretty down to earth and it's a great place to grow up. Yeah, I think in hindsight it was. I didn't always experience it. I wasn't. I wasn't very happy to grow up there at the time. I just. It. It. To me, it. it I always. I always thought of it like a well-decorated prison. <laughs> I, from a young age. From a young age. From ten, I can remember just thinking like I need to. The first time I went to California, I just was seeing my way out of that. That's so interesting. Yeah, I. I was ready to leave, but I enjoyed my time there, for sure. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So let's talk about your, your, you grew up with a mother who is an entrepreneur, correct? Yeah, my mom was my first boss. She hired me when I was six years old. She had a brownie business, which she was running out of our basement. And she hired me just to, she would pay me like $6 an hour as a, you know, as a six-year-old to fold boxes for her at Christmas. And, um, I, it, it never, it honestly never occurred to me not to start a business because I had that example. So my mom yeah. is just incredible. She's like, she raised us, she's super heart-centered and she's good at business and always taking risks. So yeah, I had a really good example. Yeah, so I think what you said was really interesting, especially with the type of business that you and I are both in. You said, my mom is super heart-centered and she's super good at business. And there's such yeah. a stereotype of you can't be both of those things because people that are good yeah, at business right. are cold and cutthroat people Right. And obviously, you had the example set by your mother that you can be both. Can you so? Can you talk about yeah. that a little bit? Yeah. Um, I mean, I could, I could, I could talk about my mom for a long time, but she, she never approached it that way. I think. To, I think there are there are some uh, that that idea that you need to act a certain way in business is a fallacy. And and the more. I think the more successful entrepreneurs that I'm around, the more that I realize how different and, and unique each one of them are and how they all approach their work. Um, yeah, I just, I, I think there are so many ways to do it. And also I think certain industries also lend themselves more to certain types of characters. That's one thing I've learned. So I couldn't be a, you know, I couldn't be negotiating and, and, you know, fucking people over on yoga contracts, because it's just pe people come to this industry out of trust and out of love. And so people who have open hearts will do better in this industry. Um, I would almost venture to say that you, you really couldn't succeed in my position if, if that wasn't a really serious pursuit in your life. And I will also say that when I entered this industry, I had to go through my own process to, I think, open myself up in new ways and 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 because i came from technology <clears throat> originally and there's certain things that are normal to say and do and act in the in the technology world and for me i learned i realized really quickly that people are just people are more emotional they're more sensitive they're more uh passion driven in yoga which I think is a, is a good thing, but for me, it wasn't, a, it was an emotional adjustment when I entered this industry for sure. Did you make a few people cry? <laughs> I'm trying to think if I've made anyone cry, not, not in front of me, but I'm sure people have cried. Um, it, it, you know what, you know what the thing is for me is like, I, I get so, uh, I'm one of those people who I will just, I, the whole world just shuts out when I'm working on something. And yeah. I can, I can get like that for a long time. 
And so if you're in that with me, like we will be the greatest of friends. And I think that as an entrepreneur, your early people have to be in it with you at that level. But I think in the beginning, one of the things that would happen was that there were people who they weren't there. They were, they were, they were half in. Yeah. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I now turn into their boss because I'm, I'm, you know, inflicting then uh, my, my standards on them. Um, whereas, a, you know, a different individual will look at that as, as a great opportunity to learn and be a part of uh, a, a team with high standards. Right. I, I, I totally appreciate, I love working with you. It's very easy because yeah, you and I well, both, I know. Cause you're like, you're like that too. I mean, you just have to, you're, you have to have excellence in what, in whatever it's, it's not about, it's not even about what you're creating. It's just about the pursuit of, of mastery and excellence. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, that, that was the, that was the, that was always the, I mean, I now know more about you and your teaching, but the first thing that I admired about you was that you, you were like the ultimate professional. It was like, you were just the, you were just this, the spitting image of how, how I thought everyone should present themselves as a yoga teacher. Um, and, and that was before I knew anything about your yoga or what, what you shared, just the way that you carried yourself. So yeah, that really, that, that definitely rubbed off on me quite a bit. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I, I really, I, I totally agree with everything that you're saying. And, and, and um, I've learned, I think, in the last few years to, um, to take my career seriously and to, and to, um, um, to treat it like a true profession, not a hobby or not a job. Um, but then you don't have to lose the passion. And I actually feel like Working with people who are really professional allows everything to just flow so much more easily. And then I can just be a yoga teacher, right. you know, I can right. just, I can, yeah, because you're surrounded by other people who are committed to like the amount of structure and discipline needed to provide right. excellence. And then, around, and then once you get there, you can be creative and flow and heart centered and all That's of right. that. Yeah. That's right. That's right. We had this, we've had this saying that I've carried around from some of those early lessons that uh, you can turn a business person into a yogi. You cannot turn a yogi into a business person. I'm, wow. yet, I'm yet to, to see one example of, of that disprove. That's amazing. Yeah, that's a really, that's a really good quote. So, so there, there, there might be exceptions to that. I'm sure there are, but in from me as someone who's hiring people regularly, it was a lesson. It was an important lesson for me to only, only, uh, only hire individuals who come with that discipline already. So I don't have to be the one to train them in that discipline. I love being in a position where people are coming from corporate and they're, they're used to working eight hours a day. And I'm like, you can kind of chill a little bit. You know, we don't, we don't, we don't work, nine hour days here sometimes on occasion we do but i would much rather be in that position with them as opposed to someone who's training someone to become more disciplined yeah absolutely because you really have to want it and a lot of times becoming more disciplined is something that people need to work through with like a therapist or a coach or something like you can't work right. with 
your colleagues. It's like it's it's a real like there's inner work that is needed in order for people to train themselves to have the discipline required to become really good at anything. Right, right. It's like that those years of of just conditioning yourself to to it's all of your micro habits in your day. There's a great book. Uh, I actually read it right before I originally moved to Bali to to start East West. It's called Mastery. It's there's so there's two books called Mastery. There's one that's a big volume, which I haven't read that one. Uh, that one I think is more entertainment, but a, sh- a short book by a man named George Leonard. This book, um, I, I really can't tell you how much this shifted my my view of this because he talks about how he talks about the this the arc of mastery. And so in in the beginning, you're really excited about something. You have this great passion, and then in whatever it's going to be after maybe it's three months, six months, you're going to reach a plateau in it at some point. And then where, where the process of mastery begins is how you start to deal with those plateaus. And it, it made me so much more understand and enjoy the process of, of disciplining myself because you start to see that, that there is actually, there is actually, uh, um, those, those are your tests. Those plateaus are your tests. And it's in the, it's in those moments where you where you get to do the work that when most people run into will turn away. Yeah. And to me, those are always the moments when where where mastery is is defined, right? Like both of us having to take our entire business online in 2020. Right. Right. Yeah, that, and 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 the, the level of confidence that it's given me, and I'm and I'm sure you, as as we're finishing this teacher training, I sent you the message yesterday saying, I can't believe I actually have goosebumps right now. Like I I can't believe that we're able to deliver a teacher training experience online virtually, and that the students are so good. Like I I, I th- that was a personal plateau for me and yeah. and 2020 just smashed me and you and all of us smashed yeah, us down yeah. to the ground and you had to relearn all these new skills and and I definitely feel like you know and I and, and because I'm surrounded by people like you and Byron and my wife and other people who are committed to busting through those plateaus um it's been wonderful it's been so challenging and yeah, uh, yeah. I, I feel like as this year is coming to an end, holy shit, have I grown, you know? Totally, totally. Yeah, well, for, on, on our side at East West, it, it actually felt like we, we stumbled into this online space because I, I, was, I was really committed not to doing anything online through COVID Me too. Yeah. initially. And, and you, you were actually the one who, who, after you told me that it was working, I, I started to say, okay, we should do this. Um, but, but definitely, I mean, this, whereas this could have just been wasted time. I think that I, I, I felt my belief systems begin to change and just, ex- I think, expand my perspective about yoga's role in in the world and and though it kind of was against our brand we were just doing what the moment called for 
and uh, yeah, it's been, I can really reflect on it as this time is nothing but, but positive. Um, but I, I, I think for me, like that, that was an instance for me that that didn't feel like a plateau. It literally felt like just something we stumbled on. I did not expect people to come and do a 200 hour training online. I, I, I actually expected them to come, but I was worried that I wouldn't be able to look them in the eye at the end of the training and be like, you're ready to go teach. And yeah, that, right. that was, that's what I was concerned about. Right. And right. I feel like the, the students that we've had that are showing up consistently that have been practicing yoga long enough to really understand the basics, they're doing so well. And, um, that, that's really where my, you know, um, what my plateau was. And then also my, my thinking of, you know, um, this can't work, you know, this is like, I guess a limiting belief for me. Yeah, sure. I, I, uh, one thing I've, one thing I've, I've learned just in the last year is that, uh, the thing that, that the thing that you think is going to work and the thing that is, is, um, you know, your masterpiece is not necessarily going to be the thing that, that resonates most. It's, yeah. it's usually not. It usually <clears throat> the, you know, like it wasn't, it wasn't <clears throat> some big vision to create 200 hour online teacher trainings. It was just something that the environment was bringing to us. And a lot of the things that you think are stupid ideas, once you put it out and see it in the world, you might be completely wrong. And it's in those moments when your belief systems are challenged and that as entrepreneurs, you can also expand your perspective because you realize, wow, there's this whole segment of the world that is seeing things like this that I just didn't have any awareness over. Absolutely. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Well, I'm going to backtrack us. And uh, yeah, so the, yeah. the whole the, the whole intention of the podcast is to, to hear about heroes and your hero's journey and um, basically how you went from a career that you were not passionate about, maybe feeling like a member of the rat race or whatever, yeah. um, and, and that transition into something that was really draining your energy um, yeah, into yeah. your journey uh, into India and your spiritual transformation that came from that because... Um, yeah, we, people haven't really the, the first 20 minutes of this interview, people don't really know, like I, I know because I'm your friend, like you're very serious about your, your practice. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so let's, let's just hear, I'd love to hear about, um, where did you, after, after college where you were working in tech and I'd love to hear, I, I know your story, but let's hear the uh, yeah, sure, story for our sure. listeners. So <clears throat> I, I, was living in Los Angeles and I was working in technology as a product manager at a venture capital company. So it was a, it was a, it was a venture company that was also an incubator. And so it was just this, it was this incubator of, of technology companies. Um, very exhilarating. It was awesome. There's like a lot of money being thrown around and a lot of people getting rich. And <clears throat> so that was, that was really, that was really cool to be a part of. And also developed pretty serious anxiety during that time. So I was like going to bed with panic attacks and that was totally new. I'd never experienced anything like that before. And then that led me to yoga works in Santa Monica. And then after practicing there for a, a number of months, there was just this intuition that there's something more to learn here. And so I, I 
went to India to do my teacher training with no intention whatsoever to teach. And um, yeah, that's what, that was, I think my first, where I, previously I was reading about spirituality. When you go to India and you experience it in a teacher training, it becomes more, you start to feel it becoming embodied. Like a lot of the, a lot of the texts or sayings that you see, you know, floated around on Instagram about how peaceful life is and love yourself and all this wisdom and how you should love the whole world. When you do the teacher training, then it's like, oh, wow, I actually see, I can feel that lens being applied to my eyes. And that's a, that's a, that's a whole different, that's a whole different process. Like to me, that's where it begins. Um, and, and why I don't really read spiritual texts anymore, hardly ever, because it just, uh, it's, the, it's, it just needed to be, it needed to be lived. So, uh, in any event, I, <clears throat> I came back from, from India and was, it, it was like, I was, yeah, I just had new goggles on. I was in the same life in Los Angeles, but, but I was just happy, just deeply happy and deeply committed to my yoga practice. Every morning, 5.30 before sunrise, I would walk down to the park on, on 4th Avenue, uh, right down the street from my house, and I would, I would do my practice for two hours. And that was just a non-negotiable part of my day for, for two years. And um, I, so I got involved. I, I joined a team as a co-founder. It, it was an addiction recovery search engine, essentially. And they brought me on as a, as a co-founder in the company. And the company <clears throat> raised three or four million dollars from a large venture company. And so it went from it just being myself and my two co-founders to 17 people almost overnight. And then two to three weeks after the round closed, they had let me know that I was being terminated to, to take my stock back. And they gave me a small severance and I used 100% of that to rent the resort for, which was exactly, it was exactly the amount of the deposit needed on the resort for the, for the first month. So I, I just booked it. I didn't even know what we were going to do at the resort. I booked a resort for a month in Bali. And I was like, yeah, yeah, this was, this was the, this was the, the first, it was, it was the first month of the East West training. So yeah. I, so I booked, I booked the resort just thinking, you know what, we'll just, we'll, if, if nothing else, we'll have an expensive party out there. I was like, I'm just going to do this. And then I had about six months to fill teacher training spots and we filled them all. And then East West started from that. Um, well, I want to take that back a little bit, though. So yeah, um, yeah. When you, when this happened, when when you were terminated and, and you and you, um, you you were forced out of a company that you basically really helped build. I mean, there's an opportunity to practice some yoga. So obviously, like there was was there bitterness and resentment to move through. Were you still in contact with some of your Indian teachers? Um, so yeah. I'd love to hear yeah. that. And then also perhaps any, any moments um, that really solidified with you, like, like a personal moment that you had with any of these Indian yoga masters that made you yeah. say, like, I am committed to not letting this portion of the yoga practice die. 
Yeah. You know, you know yeah. what I mean? I think that, yeah, yeah totally. I think there was, uh, that, that was such an interesting moment for me to just observe what was, ha what was taking place because I remember sitting in, in the meeting where they were telling me and, and initially there was, there was shock. I, w I was really shocked. But also in that moment, I was, because that my awareness is just so tied to my body, I was also noticing this feeling of relief even in that moment. So it was this shock, but then on the deeper level, I was also present to, okay, there's some relief here, which is signaling to me that there, 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 there's obviously something that my body is not liking about being here. And so I, I was able to, I think that's an example of how a moment of mindfulness can, can help you heal. In, it's, it's like the mindfulness, it's an example of how the mindfulness practice prevents uh, further suffering because I, if I hadn't observed that, if my mind had, had kept in that narrative of, you know, fuck these guys, I got screwed over. I should be making all this money, this, this, and this, I might still be holding on to that. But the fact that I could observe the relaxation and reflect on that and say, okay, this is actually something that is to, uh, actually helping me. Um, so that was the first, that was the first thing. Um, it didn't hurt that I was making more money than the entire company every month over after about four months. So that was like <laughs> kind of like stuck it to them a little. Uh, and, and so that, that didn't hurt, uh, my healing process. And then I think the, the biggest thing that I can reflect on now and after about a year was that though I didn't love the way that they communicated everything to me, I, I didn't, I didn't love necessarily how they treated me. It wasn't like they were, cause these were people that I had considered my brothers. We were very close. Um, I can reflect on what they did being a very smart and rational business move. And, and yeah. I, 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 I can have compassion for the way that they see business, which is like, it is very competitive and it's, and it's, you know, like it's very self-interested and I understand that. I understand, I can even say, I understand why people do that. I don't operate from that place any longer. Um, but I reflect on it and, and I don't, I don't think it reflects on them personally as people. I think they're both really good people. Um, people I would be friends with. That's just how they do business. And, mm. um, I actually, I reach out to them when I go to LA, I'm, I just, I have no, there's no, uh, I guess, emotional weight tied to that situation. I just wish them the best. I also sell, I have a little stock in the company too. So I'm, you know, like I root for them and, and I, <laughs> I really just genuinely wish them the best. That's all that I have to reflect. on. I think it's, it's the moments where we become, we make ourselves victims of situations like this. Yeah. Um, when we say. Because the reality is that if I if I really fully wanted to be there, and I re and I was truly meant to be there, I would have I would have been there, but I wasn't because it wasn't completely energetically aligned for me at that time. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so that was just through all of that. I actually well went the really the day after it happened. I went up to um, a place called the Sonoma Ashram, which I don't know. Have, have you ever been to the Sonoma Ashram? Or do you, have is I it in Sonoma, outside of San Francisco? 
Yeah, yeah. This no. place, I, I don't know why this, I don't know why more people don't know about this place, but it's a beautiful ashram. It's kind, it, it's not really a luxury ashram, but it's a nice ashram. It's like a really great place to go. So I went there, I have a, a good relationship with the, the Babaji, who's the founder there. And I just spent a month there fasting and, you know, meditating and being in silence. And, and um, yeah, it's like my instinct just brought me there. But uh, you sh and Leia should go there at some point. It's just such a good place to like uh, really tap into silence and and um, yeah, yeah. So so Sounds I, great. I was I spent time there. That also helped. Um, but just I remember one of our teachers, Surrender, said this in one of our opening ceremonies to once someone in the class was having an emotional moment, and and he said. He said, where are, where are your eyes located in your body? And she said, yeah, they're right here. And he said, notice how your eyes are not placed back here. So the, the human being is designed to, to be looking forward. And so I, I'm, I just immediately was looking forward and immediately on to, to East West. And, you know, I didn't, uh, you know, I think that in itself, the forward motion helps, helps the, uh, I guess any emotional challenges that you might go through in situations like that. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I, I'd love to hear some more nuggets of wisdom that you have received through the Eastern teachers that yeah. you know you never would have gotten with um, a Western yeah, teacher. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What are right. some other things that they've done or said or moments oh, that's with? Really good. The, the group where you're like, wow, this, you know, Paul could never, I, I can do certain things very well, but I, there's other yeah, things yeah, that yeah. I can't do, you know, and I'm very that's comfortable a, That's a with great that. question. That's a great question because, yeah, I think the, the Indian way is so fundamentally different and it's kind of hard to pinpoint exactly what it is that is different, but you feel it when you're around it. Um, my, my teacher's have this way uh, my teachers had this way of running a training where they sh they showed up every day with no plan <laughs> truly they, they 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 would get together in the morning and, and the morning class might be a, a dance party they might spend an hour letting people cry and share and hug it might be an asana class um they would treat every day as a unique adventure and and that is if you if you've ever been in a class with Mark Whitwell, it's the same thing. That that teachers from India, they, it's 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 somehow against the authenticity of the moment to even come with a plan, hmm. because in the Indian way, the the planets are aligned, and the environment is aligned, and each individual is is aligned in a in a moment that will never happen again, in reality, and that is sacred, and in in the Indian way. You, honoring that manifestation of divinity in that moment and, and, and running a training from that place, getting people into that realization that this is a unique moment today, right now, this breath, that that's, I would say the thing that, that impacted me most about learning from them and, and just, I think how to, how to look at the world, right? Because yeah, it, you know, every moment is whatever's happening you know it's like it 
it, that is the, the reality that we are always missing. And so, yeah, that, I think there was a lot of, there's a lot of wisdom to that. I, I think the other thing, one other thing that came to mind when you asked that question was also there's, um, I think just a greater, a greater depth of the understanding of the illusion that we're all in. And, and I'll explain what I mean for a second. Um, so we just talked uh, for maybe 10 minutes about this sort of arc of this, this journey that I went on. Maybe the most interesting part of all of that is that in the physical reality, um, our careers don't really change. And what I mean by that is like, we spend our time going like this and sometimes we're like this and sometimes we're, you know, sometimes like this, you know, but, but when you're doing business, when you're, when you're working in a, in an office, the physical reality of your body doesn't change that much. Actually, what does change is our stories around everything today. I'm being successful. I'm going the way I want, uh, all, all of this stuff that, that I just spent 10 minutes talking to you about that is the illusory nature of the mind. And I yeah. think for me, when that really, my, my Indian teachers really help highlight that at from, from a very experiential place where you kind of realize like, I'm just making up these stories all the time. That's actually all that's happening in, in, in a, you would say traditional conscious being, right? Because for the, I mean, I would imagine for most of the people listening to this, and I know for you and me, it's like our bodies aren't really doing stuff that is like truly that different, right? It's just all the, it's all the emotional narrative that we put around stuff. So that's, yeah, I think like there are some of these like super deep, I think philosophical, it's not even philosophical. It's just perspectives of, of the Indian way that when you really are around people like that you start to absorb some of it oh absolutely yeah i totally agree it's like uh the the shakespeare quote nothing is good or bad but thinking makes it so it's like you know you could be doing warrior one i teach warrior one with a couple thousand dollars in my bank account i teach warrior one with a hundred thousand dollars it's the same thing it doesn't matter exactly like you know and uh it's it's yeah i can teach warrior one from a place of um oh i don't you know i'm not i don't believe in myself yet i am i good enough and then five years later the same pose like oh i'm a good teacher like i'm comfortable in my own skin but it's the same thing right yeah exactly and 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 i think that that that's part of realizing those plateaus too is that is is you can when you when you fully realize that when you realize that I am, uh, the only thing happening is my mental process around stuff. You can then you can then start to look at it and start to master it and bring mastery into what you do and bring mastery into your own process. Um, because if you get if you keep getting caught in all of these plays and these dramas, you can't actually improve yeah. because you're you're um, I guess looking for things outside to improve yourself, right? Oh. Or blaming the outside world, becoming a victim, which is another thing we talked about too. Right, right. My, by the yeah. way, my headphones died, so the audio's. I have it recording, so we'll just. Okay. Yeah, yeah it's all good. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's all. That's all great. So, 
So, okay, so now you, you started, you led, we'll, we'll fast forward back to where we left off. So you led the first training uh, in Bali. What made you choose Bali to do these teacher trainings? <laughs> Funny question. Um, search, Google search data. <laughs> Such a businessman. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's a math problem. And yeah. I knew that there, there's... Well, before COVID, there's roughly 1,100 people a month that search for yoga teacher training Bali. And I created essentially a math formula that we had to get 25 of those 1,100. And that's, that was why. Whereas there's no, there's no other destination that has as much search. India does, but it's more spread out and people pay less there. So that yeah. was the... That, that was, um, I guess also the other factor of it was that because we had people coming from India, uh, Bali is easier for, for teachers to get into. So my teacher at the time and our other teacher deep, they both were in, are Indian citizens. And so Indian citizens can't easily get to the U S they can't yeah. so easily get to Bali. They let them, they let them come in. So that was a big factor also. Hmm. That's great. How did you come up with the idea of, I mean, these are your ideas. It's, I can't believe why well, I, I don't know. I'm not, 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 I can't believe nobody thought of this, but it's, it's a brilliant idea to do a teacher training and mesh the Western teachers and the Eastern teachers. How did that come to you? Well, I, I think um, there are other schools that do that, but I don't think that they've, I don't think that they've uh, done as much work in actually vetting teachers. They'll kind of just like let anyone from India come in, but we like yeah. really our teachers. Um, but I guess that was the thing that I always wanted in my training. Like I, I was not satisfied by just having like a super professional teacher. I was also not just satisfied by having, uh, like a monk because there was like something in between that I wanted to bring home to my life. So the concept of East West is, is really about that is like the belief that those worlds are not separate. Yeah. And that's the underlying, I think, um, belief system of, of East West is that those, those worlds are not separate. And, and I think that everyone on our team, yourself included, Leah, Byron, Mont Greg, Bajet, everyone is an example of that. It's they've, they've found peace in their profession and, and are very, very committed to their spiritual path. Um, so it, it was, the idea is largely just what I was looking for as a student. Yeah. We did, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and, and it's totally working, and it's totally you know, you and I do trainings together. I do a training a year on my own, and because of working with you, I'm now definitely committed every single training. Like I need to bring the Indian voice into into my, our, our trainings, the ones that that I do without East West, and um, that's a commitment that I've definitely. That's one thing that I've learned from working, working with your company, working together, you know. It makes, it makes such a difference. Um, yeah. And I know, I, I know that Western teachers are, are awesome, but I think one thing also to, to recognize is that there is uh, cultural information literally in their DNA that's been in their DNA. Their karmas are, are in, uh, from that world and, and aligned with that world, that, and they've been that way for thousands of years. And we yeah. are the Western world is still in its infancy of of readjusting ourselves to to recognize the spiritual nature. That's never been something that in the entire history of Western culture that we've done. 
And so we have this thousands of years of karma uh, that allow us to easily create things in the outside world and use rational thinking and this and that. And then the Indian way is, is so different and they have all this karma from recognizing a spiritual nature and just that meeting, you know, just that meeting is so powerful and it delivers, yeah. delivers, uh, yeah, just, just something that I, I for me, I, it feels different from a Western teacher, no matter who they are. I'm not saying that they're better. It's just, it's just, that's, it's like you're, you're, you're kind of seeing you're, I, I, you talk about this, about how it's like important to have a, a mentor who's like kind of seems unattainable to you. And to yes. me, that's what I get from Indian teachers in that they, they show it, it kind of humbles me to, to realize, wow, I, I might be feeling like I'm making progress and I am, but man, there is still so far to go. Yeah, that's, I totally agree. I think that's one thing that um, the Western modern world is really forgetting to teach people the value of humility because too much of like, I'm the greatest, I'm amazing, I'm perfect. It's like, well, yes, and you're not, you know, and, and you're not perfect and, and you have a long way to go. Yeah, it's who, who are you comparing yourself to? Yeah. 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 Um, I forgot where I forgot where our conversation was. Before. I don't know. Was, well, I know what. So the next question is: After these trainings uh, really started going, uh, they became very successful, and um, you were living here and um, living a very comfortable expat life in Indonesia, which is just such a beautiful easy country to live in um but then but you left what made you yeah. want to move what made you wanted to move back to the u.s um uh, well i'm getting old Paul. i'm i just turned 30. yeah so I, uh you know what it was i i'm someone who I, i'll follow my excitement and it's and and it's it was interesting what was exciting me was no longer this life. I was living in hotels in Bali and that was cool. That was a dream for a while. That was exciting at that time. But after doing that for two years, it just wasn't exciting to me anymore. And, and what is exciting to me in my life now is, uh, is going deep and, and going more into processes of mastery around a lot of different things. And I think it just helps to be more grounded and be in a, in a, I'm now sitting in my house in Portland. I just moved here in February and everything in my life just became way more simple, way more grounded. And so now I'm, I'm, I don't have the illusion that my world is being created by something external. I know that I'm showing up in the same space every day and, and it's, there's consistency in my schedule and I can now, I think, grow inside a little bit faster yeah. um, and optimize like my own shit faster. Uh, instead of blaming it on on you know on something happening outside of of my uh, outside of my control, but yeah I, I, I um, yeah I felt myself just inspired by the idea of of living you know alone in the woods for for quite a while, and uh, so I followed that, and yeah it was it's the same it was the same feeling I initially followed into the business and that this is exciting and this is this feels like a risk. This feels like something new. This feels like, um, 
something I want to discover that I that is that is new to me. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Well, would you say um, you know a, a huge part of uh, this podcast is really um, I personally and our other two co-founders uh, of the podcast. We our lives have been enriched so much by travel and not just travel, but by actually living in other countries with different cultures. Um, so like not living in Australia or Canada, but living in India, Indonesia, places where they don't speak English. Can you just talk about how much that has enriched your life and some things that you've learned? And yeah. Well, I, I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with Australia or Canada. If that's, if that, for me, my initial leap was Hawaii because that was a safe first step. And, and so, uh, yeah, I think whatever, well, like, I think of it like this, like there's always some location back here that's calling to you. Have you, maybe yeah. you've had this experience, like, there's something for me to learn there. And you don't ever really know where that's going to be. And for me, every two years that seems to change right now, I'm getting called to the Middle East. I'm going there in November now. Um, Where? But but uh, to UAE. Yeah. Um, but yeah. It, it, so I think that's the first thing. It's like like just taking an inventory of like what are those places that you're feeling called to, and understand that more on an energetic level of like what is that that I'm 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 being called to, and you might not know. And the fun part is figuring out what you're supposed to learn from that place. And I 100% guarantee that it that there is some huge lesson for you in that space. And you have to live there to get that lesson. You can't get that lesson from going there for for a week. I think I think six months, because okay, because in a place for six months you're you that's after about two or three months like your old habits from your old culture kind of tend to die down a little bit and then you can really be in this culture in a new way and those are the moments where you kind of like how we we're talking about before how like these opportunities for you to 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 put on, put on these different goggles of life where you're yeah. like i literally never knew that there's humans that look at the world that way and so when you go and live in a place like india when you go and live and I think that's important that you just that you live there, not just visit there. Mm-hmm. Um, get a chance to put on those new goggles, and and that that information is just so invaluable. I mean, it just will serve you in so many ways uh, in in life, and and yeah, it's it's like in business. Those are always was it as applies to business or creativity. I think that those are also the moments when inspiration comes it's like the experiences you have where you're like you you kind of can look back and see more a little bit more of what your culture is lacking and a lot of times from that space business ideas can come um so i think it's no coincidence that that great entrepreneurs do usually have some sort of a travel story in their in theirs yeah man i i couldn't agree more and um yeah i I, look i i love australia canada New Zealand. I was just saying that because culturally, you don't feel that uncomfortable as an American when you go to Australia. You want people to take a risk. But see, the thing is, like, you and I have abnormally high risk tolerance. Yes. Um, mine is pretty, mine is like borderline 
my risk tolerance is like borderline too high. I used to play, I, I didn't tell this in my story, but for a time I was playing professional poker in Los Angeles, putting <laughs> myself doing that. So my risk tolerance is super high, but I, I noticed that in most people, yeah, go, like living, going and living in Australia, that is a huge perceived risk for them. So, but I, I, know, I know what you're saying, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Um, well, we're winding down now. Um, it's just been such a pleasure having this conversation with you. Is there anything else that you'd like to add about your experience or um, what you're doing next or any, any advice to anyone that you'd have in terms of how to build a heart-centered business? And, and I'm, I'm going to keep talking just for a second. Like, um, you know, Adam does, like, he gives back very generously he pays his yoga teachers very fairly and um i just know from working with you uh, you do walk the walk so um any advice over the last three years i'm sure you've learned a million different things um, yeah i i have one thing that that i one thing that i keep seeing in newer entrepreneurs um and I, I used to be someone who would always operate from my vision, meaning I have this idea of how the world should be. And then my creative project is to some extent um, trying to, I guess, get the world to understand my vision. I see that in so many entrepreneurs now. And to, I think that's where naturally where a lot of um, great businesses start, but that very quickly gets problematic both on a both on a personal level and from a from a business standpoint it's problematic on a personal level because you're trying to impose your belief systems your new belief systems on other people which that that might not be service to them and i think that businesses become heart centered and aligned when they when there's no distinction between the operations of the business and and servicing people and so i learned this actually i mentioned i when i uh, got kicked out of my last company, I, I went to uh, the Sonoma Ashram. And it's actually there that, that this download came to me. I was watching a, a video of, of what the work that they do in India. And in India, in their ashram, they had, uh, they had a, an ashram that was originally set up to support lepers, people that were on the, on the street, um, and also prostitutes. Like they were really committed to helping like the, the underbelly of society. And, and so they had an ashram that was set up just for that. And ashram had been around for hundreds of years. Uh, one day, about 20 years ago, um, the, the people in the town in Varanasi brought two children, a, a, a one-year-old and a three-year-old to the ashram. And at the ashram, they said, we don't know what to do. We're not, we're not a place for kids. We can't, we can't take these, these kids. And, um, so they initially kind of tried to, to give them back to the community, but then they realized really quickly that um, this is just actually the best, like we've assessed the situation and this is actually the best place for these kids. The kids are just there, they're hanging out and they're, they're, the, the people from the community start raising these kids. These kids end up becoming amazing yoga teachers. They go off to university and they just thrive. And actually what ha started happening is that the community started noticing that and they started bringing more kids there. The, the, the ashram now is exclusively a, a place for young children to come, and the, and they just they just replicate what hap what was happening like that thing that the universe gave them, 
And that, that was a huge lesson for me because creating from that space is completely different from creating from a, a space of trying to impose your vision on people. They actually had a different idea about what they were doing, but reality brought them this situation and they responded to it. And there's something mm. in when reality brings you something and you respond and you are like, Hey, there's something happening here that I need. I want to, I want to be of service to this moment. And, and for at East West, I felt like that's like kind of what happened is like, I might've had a different idea, but everything just aligned. And, and, and I was just the one observing all of that happening. I think that's so important for entrepreneurs, especially getting started because uh, this is essentially also what they teach in, you know, like startup incubators. It's, it's how do you, how do you like truly listen to, to not listen to your customer, like, like, you know, doing a feedback survey, but how, how are you listening to what people are asking for? How do you recognize their pains? And then how do you get a place where you're actually servicing them? And you know, this as a yoga teacher, if you are actually servicing them, they will pay you and they'll pay you really yeah. well. And, and you see that in, you know, you, I know you did donation yoga, but but those are signs when people are willing to pay you, that is a sign that, that you're, you are performing some service for them. And so I think if you operate from that space, as opposed to, you know, again, I have this vision, I want to be this big school and this is the way everyone should do yoga. And this is the, like, I'll say a lot of, a lot of the teachers who teach at East West, that's not the yoga that I practice, but I can also recognize that that is very valuable for a lot of people. And, and even, or in myself in, in other instances. Um, and that, I think that's just an example of how like most, most, uh, I don't even know most, but many yoga schools that I can think of, they're just, they have that firm belief, like yoga should be this way and you should stand yeah. exactly, exactly this way. Like, I just find that to be a very, um, you know, I find all of that to be very, very toxic and very, very harmful. Um, personally to be creating from that space. So yeah, I think just that's, that's something that I just felt like sharing, I think to complete this because um, I, I'm constantly uh, observing that, I'm constantly observing new entrepreneurs, just struggling to impose their vision on the world and not just listening. When you tap into just like listening and seeing, you know, like where your skills can just serve other people, no matter what that is, this, this, the success will, will definitely it's inevitable yeah man i i totally agree i uh i say to my students uh i'm not a very good teacher if i'm not teachable so right. just staying staying open-minded and and being like oh wow this is what i thought it was going to be but it's going to be this instead that's right yeah yeah plan 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 for a meeting Prepare, no, wait, prepare for a meeting, plan for, no, I had it right. Plan for a, a meeting, prepare for a party. Nice, love it. <laughs> uh, awesome, man, thank you so, so much, my friend, Adam Carney. Uh, let us know uh, how people can get in touch with you and your company and uh, let, our, let our listeners know. No. What? Okay, uh, well, it's East, East West Yoga, yeah. they're amazing. Website's East West, East West, uh, yogaeastwest.com. Um, yeah, we, we post all of our classes and all our information there. We don't really do much on social media. So anything that you guys would be interested in would be from, from 
uh, yogaeastwest.com. Amazing. Thank you so much, Adam. This is a good combo. Yeah, absolutely. Um, All right, everybody. Thank you so much. The Rat Race Rebellion podcast. I am Paul Teodo. Have a beautiful, beautiful day, everybody. See ya. I am your co-host, Paul Teodo. We created this podcast with the intention of really bringing awareness to the gifts that come when you travel the world. And next year in 2021, I have a bunch of events coming up. In February 2021, we have a 200-hour yoga teacher training in Bali, Indonesia. And then in June, I have two retreats, one in the south of France and one in Santorini, Greece. If you're interested in any of these experiences, you can follow me at Teodo Yoga Guitar on Instagram. Send me a message or you can visit elementsofpoweryoga.com for the teacher training. Have a beautiful day. Namaste.